It's not about necessarily the posture, but it's the response of the heart. Are you responding to the message of the love of God? Whether that's in song, whether it's in the word, whether it's in prayer, through Bible study, are you responding to the message from God himself? I hope that's what you hear this morning. I hope you hear from God himself. We are beginning a study through the book of Malachi this morning. If you want to turn there, it's the very last book in the Old Testament. We're going to be just looking at the first five verses of the book of Malachi. But Malachi uh, is an often neglected book. A lot of people don't know what is there, but it's amazing, amazing what the prophet has to say about worship. That's primarily what it's about. He's writing to a small group of people, the remnant of the faithful. They had been back in the land for about a hundred years after the Babylonian captivity. They were defeated. They were hauled across the Fertile Crescent to Babylon, and they spent 70 years in captivity. Now, God has allowed them to go back to the land, and most of the Israelites have chosen to remain in Babylon. Not all of them came back, even though they had the opportunity and so this small remnant has been gathered there, and there's this idea that things are going to happen spiritually and politically and economically. They used to be a great power. They were under King David, and we're going to be starting to talk about the life of King David on Sunday nights. If you'd care to join us, put that little plug in for tonight. But under King David, they were the power in the Middle East. And they're looking for a return to the glory days. They're going to rebuild the temple that met with some problems. And prophets had to come in to help out with that. And then the wall, that was still in shambles. And so God sends Nehemiah and the wall is rebuilt. And yet... There is no return to glory. They're there, just a small group of the faithful. And they're wondering, does God even care about us? Now, as we go through this book, you're going to see that the, the prophet, and he does this back and forth question, response things. He, he'll make a statement or ask a question. The people will respond with either, what, or we're not doing it, or something. And then God speaks the truth of the situation. You see that all through the book. But they're thinking that they've been dismissed by God because... It's not happening. Now they're going through the motions. 
in some ways, some of the outward worship is there. But they're lacking a heart response to God. And so Malachi, this last of the prophets, it's going to be a 400-year silence between Malachi and John the Baptist. And so Malachi is the one God uses to rekindle the flames of faith. To turn the eyes of the people back to their great God. And to tell them that going through the motions is not enough. God does not want outward signs of conformity. He wants our heart. He wants our life. Our lives in their entirety as believers, should be lived in response to the holiness and the goodness of God. This is an important book, and the message applies to us today. Who are we as believers when we look at our nation as a whole? We're the faithful remnant. The promises in the New Testament, they have not yet been realized fully. And there are a lot of people in this country, and maybe even some who would name the name of Jesus, they've given up. Hey, stuff we see here, read here, that's not happening to us. I've been going to church, I've been doing this, and I'm not seeing the power of God. And there's skepticism and there's doubting and there's, there's a following away. Some of you young people don't know, but just a generation ago, as we were heading toward the end of the 1900s, approaching the year 2000, which was 20 years ago now. Isn't that crazy to say? But as that time approached, there was all this within the church, this idea that God was, Jesus was coming back. I remember in the 80s and the 90s hearing all these sermons, Jesus is coming back, he's coming back, he's coming back. And he hasn't come back yet. So there's a lot of people thinking now, think, well, that's just a bunch of... That's, oh, he never said he was coming back by the year 2000. We came up with that idea. Not we personally, but the church. And there was that, that thought, and it, it hadn't happened. So there's some similar circumstances to our day. The Bible is relevant. You don't have to make it relevant. It is For those who have ears to hear the Bible because it's God's word has timeless timeless truths that apply to us today. So as we go through this book, hear from God. Hear from God. If you're there in that last Old Testament book, I invite you, if you're able, willing to stand, to stand in honor of the reading of the word. I'll be reading... 
uh, the first five verses. It will be up on the screen if you don't have a copy of God's Word. But beginning with verse 1, the oracle of the word of the Lord to Israel by Malachi. I have loved you, says the Lord, but you say, how have you loved us? Is not Esau Jacob's brother, declares the Lord? Yet I have loved Jacob, but Esau I have hated. I have laid waste his hill country and left his heritage to jackals of the desert. If Edom says we are shattered, but we will rebuild the ruins, the Lord of hosts says they may build, but I will tear down, and they will be called the wicked country and the people with whom the Lord is angry forever. Your own eyes shall see this, and you shall say, Great is the Lord beyond the border of Israel. Father, we ask a blessing upon this reading of your word. And Father, we ask now that you would give us understanding. And Father, that we would see in these pages the love you have for your chosen people and the love for us you have called in Christ. And we pray this in the Savior's name. Amen. Thank you. So this is the introduction to the book. It's about worship. It's about re having a real faith. And the foundational issue, and we'll see this throughout the book, is the love of God for his people. His covenant love that doesn't change because he doesn't change. And he's reminding the people of this love. And so love, the love of God for his people is seen throughout this book. And that's where it starts. And that's where we need to start. So what we're going to see this morning briefly is that God sovereignly chooses to set his love on undeserving people. And we're going to see that the response of those undeserving people is very often disappointing. But in spite of the response, the disappointing response of the people, God will be honored and glorified because he is God. Now we start with this burden, and it is a burden. It's translated oracle of the, war, of the word, but uh, some of the other translations have burden. And that, that's what it was for the prophet. Because what he's seeing is not what God would desire from his chosen people. And so Malachi has been given the message the message and the mission to turn the hearts of the people back. And where this starts is that God sovereignly chooses to love those who are undeserving. Uh, you don't have to turn there, but I'm going to read Deuteronomy chapter 7, verses 6 through 8. And this is about God's choice of the nation. They're getting ready to enter the promised land under Moses. Well, uh, 
Moses is getting ready to finish his, his mission and Joshua is actually going to lead them into the land. But Moses is reviewing the law at this point and he tells him in verse 6, For you, speaking of the nation, you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. Verse 7, it was not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord set his love on you and chose you, for you were the fewest of all peoples. But it is because the Lord loves you and is keeping the oath that he swore to your fathers. That's why they're his people, because God chose to set his love upon them and if you look back at the beginning of the nation why did if, I don't know if you've ever thought about this question but why did God choose Abram Abram was a pagan he was living in the land of Ur he was worshiping the gods of that country reading one commentator he said what why, why don't we read about Shaklabob the, the Canaanite? Why do we read about Abram? Because God chose Abram and set his love upon him. There wasn't anything in Abram. He was a pagan. He didn't deserve it. It's unconditional choice. I want you to think about adoption for a minute. Now, I just happened to have a brother. Him and his wife were not able to ever have children. And they have two children, uh, both adopted. Uh, one, the, the younger girl, she's from China. But they, they went over there and adopted her. But the first one, they actually chose to adopt him before he was born. They encountered a family there in the area that they, she was pregnant for whatever reason. They weren't going to keep the baby. And they chose to adopt Jed before he was born. They set their love on this child before he was born. They selected him. He had absolutely nothing to do with the selection. Someone else chose to set their love on him. And now he's part of that family. Now God is a choosing God. We see this in the Old Testament. We see it in the New Testament. It's scattered throughout the scriptures. And the teaching is called the doctrine of election. It's a doctrine that makes some believers very uncomfortable. That's why you probably haven't heard many sermons on it. And as I was talking about last week, uh, this is one of the benefits of expository preaching. You don't get to skip things. I've heard pastors preach on the first chapter of Malachi, and they start with verse 6. They just ignore the first five verses. Because it's not an easy topic, but it's in the Bible, and it's all through the Bible. And therefore, we need to be aware of it. See, why does it make us uncomfortable? Well, we like to think there's something good in of us. 
That's why God chose us. That is not true. Read Romans chapter 3, verses 9 through 12. Without exception, we are sinners who rebel against the holiness of God. What do we deserve? Do we deserve heaven? Do we deserve grace? I don't know about you, but I realize that I don't. What I deserve is hell. And if you're biblically aware, you understand the same thing. Well, that, that doesn't sound fair. I don't want fair. Fair is me paying for my own sins, which I committed against the holy God, and paying for them eternally, separated from the presence of God. That's fair. I don't want that. I want grace. And I am so thankful for grace. I can't deserve it. I don't deserve it. They didn't deserve it. None of us deserve it. Ephesians chapter 2 verses 4 through 5. The amazing thing is that God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together in Christ. That's who we are. In our sins, we are spiritually dead and without hope, and God comes to us in Jesus and lifts us out of the cesspool of sin and gives us hope and makes us alive. Love God supremely. We're talking about this that this year. The great commandment there in Matthew 22. Why can we do this? Is it possible to do this? Yes, for the believer it is. Why? Because he first loved us. And when you understand, when I understand that I don't deserve it, but that God gives it to me, my heart response should be, what a great God. Hallelujah to the Lamb. We just sang about that. What is your response to the love of God in Jesus? Well, I'll tell you what their response was. And it was disappointing. The prophet says that God is telling him, I have loved you, says the Lord. Their response was, We don't know about that. How? How have you loved us? Where's, where's the love? Not feeling the love. We're just this little tiny group. No Messiah. Persians are still lording it over us. We're still a subject people. We've rebuilt the temple. We've rebuilt the wall. Most of the people aren't joined in on this thing. Just a little bit, few of us. Not seeing the love, God. Not feeling it. Does it sound like America to you? See, we're all about feeling in America. It's not about 
so much thinking and logic and propositional truth that we find in the scripture. It's based on our emotions, how we feel. Do I feel loved? Do I feel accepted? Because here's the thing. We live in a fallen world and we struggle with issues. Whatever your issues might be, there's struggles. Whether that's physical, oh, look at our prayer list. Look at our prayer list. Might be financial, might be whatever. We, we struggle. And see, if your life's not going perfect, you might feel like God doesn't love you because everything's not going your way. You don't have the job you want. You, you know, this person doesn't like you. Whatever it is. Bad things may enter your life. And if you're based off feelings, you're going to question the love of God. That's what they're doing. Now, many of us in this room are parents. And hopefully, many of our young people, not now, but in the future when it's appropriate... And just some of our culture is getting this wrong. So this, man, I wasn't even planning on saying this, but it's for somebody. Here's the natural order of how this is supposed to work. Guy, girl, marriage, then babies. Okay? Some people are getting that order all mixed up in a lot of different categories, but that's how it's supposed to work. And then, when they do get married, God would have you have children. Christians do not need to quit having children. Okay, we need to keep having babies. But, as parents, and that's where I was going with this, we've raised children. And you, you have dealt with disappointment. You have dealt with frustration. If you're a parent, I can guarantee this is true. Now, we, we love them. We clothe them. We, we protect them. We encourage them. We do all these things because we do love them. And then when they respond with ingratitude and then silly, might we even say, well, I don't like, not so intelligent statements like, if you really love me, you would let me, whatever. Uh, you know, go, you let me go spend the weekend with them, even though their parents are in Jamaica for the week. We'll be good, you know. If you love me, you let me drive. I know I'm only 13. But, you know, if you... Whatever. This is silly, stupid stuff. Well, I wasn't going to use that word, but... We love them. And when they say stuff like that, and then when we say... When we have, when we have the audacity to say no, then what do we sometimes hear? You don't love me. That's crazy. It's crazy. Yes, we do love you. 
Shakespeare, and I'm not a big poet fan, but he wrote, How sharper than a serpent's tooth it is to have a thankless child. You know, we love our kids. We pour into them. And when they love us, I mean, when they, when they reject that love, it, it, it hurts. It hurts. We're disappointed. We're disappointed. We, we, we pour into them money, time, and, and money, and we invest in them and pray for them. And did I mention we spend money on them? We do those things because we love them. Now, several of you know, many of you know, that our oldest son, Luke, is living in Los Angeles now. He decided to move out there last August. We told him not to go. We told him he wasn't ready to go. Luke, it's expensive to live out there. Luke, you're not ready. Oh, I am might take a while to find a job. So we took him out there. And then it took him longer to find a job than he expected. He's living in Los Angeles, one of the most expensive places in America to live. Now, we could have said, told you. Didn't we tell you not to go? He needed some financial help. So we helped him because we love him and we want him to be successful. This made one of the calls so special to me because I'd been getting a lot of these. Hey, I need, can you Venmo me? And I got, that's how I got introduced to Venmo. Wow, what a cool thing that is. You can send people money like that. Scary. Um, he calls me one Wednesday a couple months ago. I think it was in November. Well, it would have been in December. So I was out here with the tutoring kids. He called me, and I said, well, it's Luke. i got to go take it. And I said, hey, what's going on? He says, nothing. He said, I had the day off, and I just wanted to call you. I said, what's going on? He said, well, nothing. He said, I realize I've been calling you. Every time I call you, I need money. And he said, I just wanted to call and talk with you and see how you're doing. I can't tell you how much I appreciated that call. He just wanted to talk to his dad. How much more do you think our God wants to hear from us just because we love him, not because we need something? We go to him with our grocery list. I need this, I want this. How many times do we just come and just praise him? Because he's great. Because he loved us first. Yes, he's poured into us. He created us. Jesus came and died for us. And he just wants us to love him. We are so busy. We're so busy. I don't know if we can make church... Got a lot going on today. Don't know if I can read my Bible today. Don't know if I can pray today. 
Got a lot going on. But boy, you let something happen to us. You let something happen to the car. Let something happen to our health. What do we want then? Oh, join me in prayer that God might take care of this. I have a need. I need God. Let me tell you something. We need God every moment. We need him for our next breath. If you got out of bed this morning, God allowed you to do it. And we need to thank him. We need to praise him. We don't need to say, oh, how, how, how has he loved us? He's loved us. I had some of this written down. I'll share it with you. Just, I'll give you the verses. What has he done for us? How, he's loved us by sending Christ to die for us while we were yet sinners. Romans 5.8. He has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing, Ephesians 1.3. He's promised us glorified bodies, 1 Corinthians 15.51-52. He's preparing us a home in heaven, Jesus is, John 14.2. And in the meantime, he has promised that nothing that this world throws at us will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 8, 39. I'm going to take some advice from pastor friend Bill Orne. We were talking about preaching and, and services and uh, there at our associational meeting last Tuesday. We're praying for one another, but he was talking about letting the Spirit of God be God in the, the service. And, and one of the things that just kind of stuck with me, he said, boys, he said, uh, he said, your sermon might have four points, but it's okay if you just preach one, if that's all God wants. Well, I've got more, but I think that's all God wants me to say this morning. He loves us. We don't deserve it. Jesus has come and died for us that we might have life and we might have it eternally. That's a pretty good message right there. Want Mark the musicians come? We're going to have a time of response. If you are one of God's children, if you know that you've come to that place where you've understood that you needed a Savior and, and Jesus is real to you, you, you don't need to get saved. You're saved. You're, you're there. He has set his love upon you, and all those promises I just shared are true for you. So what's your, what's your response to this message? Are you living in response to that reality? Are you loving God supremely? Because the third point was about God being showcased, his glory and his greatness being showcased through his people. Are the people around you seeing the glory of God in your lives? Are you a living, walking 
talking billboard for the glory of God. You can be, and he, that's, that should be our, our heartfelt response. This morning, you might just want to, to pray there where you're at. The altar's open. If you just want to reconsecrate, just ask God to allow you to live more fully in light of loving him supremely, then you do so. But there's another group of people, I don't know how many, but probably there's someone in here who's never personally experienced the love of God in Christ. If that's you, if the Holy Spirit is convicting you of your need for a Savior this morning, I pray you'll surrender your life and start your journey of faith with a relationship with Christ. If you need, if you're not exactly sure what that looks like, what what that means, uh, myself, Pastor James, be down here. You can talk with us. But just allow God to be real in your life. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for this message that you gave through Malachi. Father, that we, uh, undeserving as we are, are the recipients of your unconditional love. Oh God, what a powerful truth that is. A truth that will sustain us. A truth that will allow us to live for you in spite of outward circumstances. Oh Father, burn away uh, the misunderstanding in our lives, those barriers, those things that we put between us and you. Father, that we would live for you more fully. And God, by your grace, by your Holy Spirit, you just draw those who are lost, Lord, that they might be found. They might be found in Christ. We ask, we pray this in his name. Amen.